Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we're here to discuss the riveting second part of our coverage of X-Men versus the Avengers, the four-part limited series, numbers three and four. Uh, the cover date of number three was June of 1987, which would make number four July of 1987. The on-sale date was February 24th of 1987, March 24th, 1987. Both cover prices were $1.50, and the title of uh, part three is The Soviets Strike Back. Wow. This one was written by Lawrence Kasdan. What? <laughs> it's, a star, star, it's a Star Wars reference. The, oh. The Soviets... Star Star Wars. It's just never mind. I don't really associate Lawrence Kasdan with. Wait, is that even his name? I don't know. Yeah, it's totally <laughs> it's just, his name. Is it okay? Um, I don't know. I, I I I don't I don't really associate him with that as much. George Lucas didn't write Empire Strikes Back. I guess he kind of did, though. I mean, everything that I've read indicates that he just took a. He took it. He he kind of really wrote the whole thing. Um, and Lawrence was sort of an assistant, and but he gave most of the credit to the uh, the lady because she died during the whole thing. I can't remember her name, which is sad. But um, yeah, from 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 what I've heard from Lawrence Kasdan, Lee he, Lee Brackett, Lee Brackett, yeah, Lee Brackett, Lee Brackett. Uh, uh, from what I from what I hear uh, from Lawrence Kasdan. George Lucas did most of the most of the work on that one. Really, it says uh, that's what I've heard. I I, I wasn't there, so maybe people are <laughs> giving credit to other people. I don't know. It says in 1979, George Lucas commissioned Kasdan to complete the screenplay for Empire Strikes Back after the death of Leigh Brackett. Lucas then commissioned Kasdan to write the screenplay for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Kasdan has made his directing debut as Body Heat with Lucas as an uncredited executive producer. Kasdan then assisted Lucas in writing the script for Return of the Jedi. That's weird because when you look at the credits for those three movies star wars is written and directed by george lucas but i feel like writing credit in the movie goes to lawrence kasdan i believe george lucas didn't take a credit for empire strikes back because he didn't want to take the focus away from lay bracket he has a he has a he has a uh he does have a writing credit it's like uh, it's it's like story by and then screenplay by a story by George Lucas, uh, screenplay by Lawrence Kasdan, and then in, in Return of the Jedi, he even distances him, himself further by saying like it's like based on an idea by George Lucas and written by whoever wrote uh, um, Return of the Jedi, which is I, I believe also the writer is not credited as Lawrence Kasdan. I, oh. I, what I've heard, what I've heard about the Raiders or the Return of the Jedi is that. He would con- constantly take the reins from Richard Marquand as far as directing went. Oh. Which, well, I don't know. I guess if you're George Lucas, you can do that sort of thing What's where it, you want to. George Lucas would, would just barge in and be like, Richard, out of the way. Well, I guess he was like always there. And so he was like co-directing it sort of. Hmm. Although, but also you defer to George Lucas when he's in the room. Well, yeah, of course. Although the, I, I guess I'll have to rewatch those credits at some point because the Star Wars Wikipedia is saying that the writing credits go to Lucas and Kasdan, but I swear, swear, man, swear. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Lawrence Kasdan, I more associate with Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, I'm, I might be wrong here. The poster does say, in fact, uh, story by George Lucas, screenplay by Lawrence Kasdan and George Lucas. So 
Right. Anyways, um, is it weird that I associate Empire Strikes Back with... I think a lot of fans associate Lawrence Kasdan with, with Empire Strikes Back. Well, I think the idea is it's it's the good one, so George Lucas couldn't have written it. <laughs> right. Everybody hates George Lucas. Pretty much. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, that concludes uh, this episode of the Star Wars cast. <laughs> All right. Next episode, we'll be talking about... The Phantom Menace. <laughs> the cover of this uh, is pretty exciting. You got a boat and Captain America's trying to kill the green android dude who's trying this to kill is like Wolverine. Titanium Man, right? Something like that. But like everybody's trying to kill everybody and Wolverine's getting the worst of it. Well, I don't think Captain America's trying to kill anybody because Captain America doesn't kill. I think he's trying to get Titanium Man off of Wolverine and Wolverine and yes, Titanium Man is trying to choke the life out of Wolverine, which I guess the one way uh, that they like nowadays when Wolverine's like super invulnerable, I guess he's still you can still drown him. That is the one thing that his healing factor can't do anything about. In 1987, they're not even talking about stuff like that. The notion that Wolverine is unkillable is not a story element in 1987. It shouldn't be today either, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, they, I don't know. I feel like they kind of jumped the shark with Wolverine because they kept just upping the uh, ante with the things that Wolverine's healing factor could take care of. Yeah, well, there is precedence for the way that it goes in the Claremont stuff, which I think we'll touch upon next episode if I remember, but maybe we won't. So I'll probably forget. Yeah, I, I'll remember. Uh, it's a good cover. Uh, it, it's uh, Silvestri. Uh, so, you know, you can't go wrong there. Joseph Rubenstein, I think, is the inker. Yeah, he's totally the inker on this cover as well. Uh, and it's a it's a solid cover, in my opinion. I like it. Yeah. Uh, t-shirt worthy? Eh, no. <laughs> Doesn't really make any sense. But A t-shirt of Captain America and Wolverine on the same t-shirt? I, I think I'd, I might buy that just for the novelty. Get Titanium Man out of there, and, and then maybe we're talking. Let's tell everybody it's Iron Man. <laughs> well, that's, that's when Iron Man was wearing the green armor, remember? It's just the coloring snafu. It's the <laughs> shading. That's right. Uh, no, it was kryptonite armor. For that time, he fought Superman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Green. Green's bad. This one's uh, written by Roger Stern, Stern, Mark Silvestri, and Joseph Rubenstein doing the art. As I already said, Joe Rosen is the letterer. Christy Shields, the colorist. Uh, Mark Gruenwald and Anne Nascenti are the editors. Jim Shooter's the editor-in-chief still. Yeah. Yeah, he, Jim Shooter had a long run at Marvel as the editor. Chief, he he sure did. He's probably the outside of Stan Lee, he's probably the most associated with Marvel uh, editor in chief. You think so? I, uh, what about the? And, and here's where here's where you get proven correct. What about what about that other guy, Joe Casada? Joe Casada? Yeah. Um, I think of him more as an artist. I don't know. He is definitely got to start as an artist, but he's the guy that helped. Well, he's the guy that was at the helm when Wolverine, when, Wolverine, when Marvel was being uh, put into the theaters. So, don't you think he gets more of a like a modern association? Like, do, was, you, do wasn't, you think wasn't the, that wasn't that wasn't that Bill Jemus or Bill Jamas? I don't. I know. thought that was I thought that was him. Could have been, I suppose. But do you think today's like Marvel Universe loving person has any idea who Jim Shooter is? Um, if they go back, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's fair. Well, the X-Men are in their Blackbird and they're being targeted. I'm not saying he's a Stan Lee level. I'm just, you know, I'm just saying he's, uh, he's, he's more memorable than to me than any, like I couldn't tell you between, between, um, Jim Shooter and Joe Quesada, who the editors in chief were. Oh, 
I don't. Yeah, you could. You know which one was the editor in chief? I do. I don't know. Both of them at one point. Well, I know between them, I couldn't tell you who was. Uh, I couldn't tell you between Stanley and Jim Shooter who was editor in chief, and I couldn't tell you between Jim Shooter and Joe Casada who is editor-in-chief. I'm not even sure who the editor-in-chief of Marvel now is. Oh, I have no idea. I want to say it's Axel Alonso, but that's probably wrong. I don't know. I have no idea. But let's talk about the Blackbird being targeted by the Ruskies. Yeah, uh, Titanium Man takes a shot at the thing, which, which will come back later. Yep. But he's he, he he's still being tied down by Dark Star and her black magic. Her dark force. Um, he titanium man does manage to see the blackbird and says, "Just a futile attempt to down our quarry, comrades." Or I guess it would be, "Just a futile." Oh, I can't do Russian and robot. That's <laughs> <laughs> gonna say that's a difficulty of like eight right there. <laughs> Gremlin jumps out of the armor and he's like, "Dark Star might be holding us back, but he's not holding me back. Just my armor." And so he, Why didn't I do this hours ago? Yes. Well, remember, Dr. Druid's powers only has effect for 60 minutes. So this is probably the 59-minute mark when he jumps out. Yeah, he's like, uh, maybe the Avengers have only been gone for 10 minutes. He jumps out and he grabs Darkstar and is like, Just wake up, you've been deceived. And then that's when Darkstar is able to get uh, regain her senses. And Nikolai, her brother, who is also Vanguard, is that his name? Yes. Yeah. He is like, you were, you were domineered by Dr. Druid. Doesn't that suck? And she's like, oh, I feel so ashamed. <laughs> I did what? <laughs> and that's when the Crimson Dynamo dude is like, we got to get Magneto and the X-Men because they're mutie lovers. And that's when the rest of the team is like, wait, wait, we're mutants as well. <laughs> Well, and he's like, you know, that's that's not what I meant, you know, but, bad mutants. Yeah, yeah, that's you know what I, I was just putting all those, you know, not, not yeah, bad mutants. Remember that time he blew up the submarine and the volcano, which we'll just keep talking about over and over and over again. That happened. This could be somebody's first issue, Jeremy. It very well, could be. Let's go get him and the Avengers. All right, say <laughs> the rest of the team. They're a little skeptical. Wolverine has Magneto on the hot seat. He's waiting for answers about why he's being all weird and why he had to go get that helmet. And he's uh, he's not and, smoking uh, a cigar. He's smoking a cigarette, which is interesting. I think it's a cigarello from Campuchia. Oh, that could be. He picked it up. So Wolverine is skeptical and is like, what's your story? You said you changed, but... I don't know. Uh, you just have to trust me on this uh, Wolverine. And he thinks to himself, the handful of microchips I secreted in the hollows of my helmet will enable to perform miracles. He'd never understand. Much experimentation must be done before I confide in anyone. Storm wonders why the controls are so sluggish. Which I wondered, too, because I had already forgotten that <laughs> Titanium Man shot the thing. Yes, and the... the uh, the Titanium Man clips one of the tail, I don't know what you call those things, one of the tail wing winger things. Oh. Yeah, ta tail winger things. <laughs> like, I believe that's the technical term. Yes. Uh, so the, yeah, anyways. Uh, Dr. Druid is still here and he's like, uh, Magneto is hiding something and the X-Men can sense it. So can I. I gotta get in contact with the other Avengers. Magneto's mind is a strong one, though. He will detect me eventually. I must contact the Avengers. And the panel is drawn in such a way that it does look kind of like Magneto's a little skeptical about what's going on. Oh, I think he's in the process of detecting him. I think because his eyes are rolling back towards Dr. Druid's uh, 
direction. And the Avengers regroup, and they're like, where's Dr. Druid? We gotta get Magneto. Where are they gonna escape to? There's nowhere for them to go. Everybody hates Magneto. I just wish I could figure out why the X-Men have thrown in with a man who's tried in the past to murder them. The X-Men I knew were heroes, says Captain America. And that's when Dr. Druid interrupts them and says... I'm not dead. I'm here. I'm hidden aboard the X-Men's airplane, and our current location is... <laughs> He's cut off because as we cut back to the plane, Magneto um, tightens up a... I guess wraps the seat around him. Yes, and uh, Dr. Druid's like, I, I won't talk, I'm, but the Rogue just kisses him on the forehead, absorbs all of his powers, and uh, Roger's turn kind of really... Um, heaps on the personality draining portion of Rogue's abilities because then she starts talking exactly like Doctor Druid. It's yeah, see, I thought, I thought, I thought that too. But to be fair, it hasn't really been locked down. Like she does this sometimes in Chris Claremont's run, so I, I can't blame anybody for thinking this is the way it works. Understood. I mean, uh, in Chris Claremont, he seems to have a little more subtlety to it where she drops in and out of that person's speak, whereas Roger Stern writing it just... She, she's Dr. Druid right now for all intents and purposes. Uh, so but she, she, so she starts talking like him and says, uh, What an absurd question. I've never felt better. We have nothing to fear from Anthony Druid. He was about to give the location, but we cut him off. Boy, Your psychic yeah. shields are quite strong, Magneto. Did you know that? Did you know that? And that's when Storm says, Uh-oh, the tail has been damaged on the the tail thingy on the airplane has been damaged avionics are shutting down uh we we have about a minute before we hit the water hard luckily they have a master of magnetism on board who is able to keep the plane of uh aloft and wolverine says i know just the place to take the plane turn 10 degrees south southwest and keep to as much cloud cover as you can so the Quinjet, uh, they're looking around, they're flying, and I guess eventually they get a call from Dr. Druid, who's calling from a Singapore police car. I'm just going to say it's a Madripoor police car. <laughs> they, yeah, they misspelt Madripoor. <laughs> um, so we, we know that Madripoor is loosely based on Singapore, so yeah. this is Madripoor. And it would be a great time for Wolverine to be like, I know a place called Madripoor. <laughs> I own a bar here, too. <laughs> and that's so Captain Marvel flies ahead at light speed, checks it out, and she's like, yep, okay. And so then the rest of the Avengers also show up. Um, in the Gulf of Thailand, the Crimson Dynamo and the Green Dude, whose name I forgot. Titanium Man. Titanium Man, <laughs> I guess, have maybe Dark Stars creating like an envelope around the rest of the Soviet super yeah. soldiers. Yeah. They're acting as the wings for this kind of dark star blob. Okay. And they're looking around trying to find where the Avengers and the X-Men are when they intercept the radio message. So now they know where they need to go, which is Madripoor. Of course. (laughs) And so above Madripoor, you've got Thor looking from building tops, She-Hulk, and uh, Captain... No, what's his name? Um, Captain Nightman. Night Guy. Black Knight. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> I like Captain Nightman. Uh, he's flying around on his robotic horse, and they're also looking around, and they're like, well, if Magneto uses his powers, my horse will detect it and we'll find him. Dr. Druid thinks to himself down below, I would dearly love to be the one who uncovered him. And I think that's the last we see of Dr. Druid. 
<laughs> for this entire series. Well, he might be in the background, but I think that might be his last line of dialogue. I'm probably wrong. I don't know. Yeah, it could be. Uh, so, yes, everybody is looking for everybody. Uh, Captain America uh, has a motorcycle that he was able to get access to in Madripoor. Yeah, he's, his motorcycle is always on the... Quinjet. Oh, okay. All right. I didn't know that. Makes sense, though. He's he's roaring around. And that's when we one of... See, we see that the Russians are also here dressed in, I guess, local garb, or at least Dark Star is. And they are... She's connected to uh, Vanguard, and Vanguard spots what he thinks might be Havoc. I saw him only briefly before, and he was in his costume then, but his mask was... Con- his, his mask concealed little of his face. I would swear it is he... So he follows the blonde-haired American, uh, only to get yanked into an alleyway by Wolverine, who is now in his Logan garb, complete with cowboy hat. Looking for somebody, bub? You're one of them Ruskies. And he says, you can only be one of the outlaw Wolverine. There cannot be two men with so coarse a voice. Yep. Yep, very coarse. Like sandpaper. And Wolverine springs into action. Uh, and attacks, but he's like, you think to frighten me with your adamantium claws? Ha! No one touches me. And he uses his magic vanguard powers to uh, throw Wolverine into Havoc, I guess knocking both of them out, temporarily at least. A young woman with brown hair and a white stripe up the middle wearing glasses runs up. She's like, oh, you poor man. Are you all right? Did those hoodlums hurt you? Do not alarm yourself, madam. I have everything under control. And she kisses him on the lips, revealing that she's actually, in fact, rogue. Her clothes burst off except for her X-Men garb, which is able to adapt to his force field. That's very handy. That's good, because otherwise she'd be naked. Yes, and that'd be super embarrassing. (laughs) Yeah, so underneath all of her clothes, she has a kind of the black outfit that she has. She usually wears stuff over the top of it, but... It's consistent with what she wears, so it's kind of it's kind of weird seeing her as just a black silhouette. But okay, I never really considered this part of like like to me X Men garb means unstable molecules and growing and shrinking and whatnot. But anytime you ever see Rogue in a battle, like her black stockings and or what bodysuit or whatever you want to call it, just ends up in shreds. That's true. And to me, that does not say unstable molecules. Yeah. So well. Anyways, I think it would be a lot cooler if the force field pushed the uh, stocking material outward and now she was just like really thick looking. So <laughs> so that the the black stockings were covering her force field and not her skin. So she wouldn't be naked. She'd just be really funny looking. Well, maybe because the 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 garb the outer the innerwear is more skin tight the stockings are skin tight the force field uh is on the outside of them yeah i know i still think it'd be funny if the force field would have pushed the <laughs> the skin tight clothing out and then she she'd be all funny looking yeah uh, yes it would have just just go, give... go back and tell mark silvestri yeah hey man i got an idea i'd like to commission you to redraw that panel you did in 1987 <laughs> i i think it could have been better if you'd have just implemented this one thought so anyways they're they're taking off and wolverine's like hmm uh i've arranged us passage on a dutch freighter that's due to sail in less than an hour and apparently vanguard has come around enough even though it feels like it's been a minute to say mm, freighter <laughs> yes wolverine she's whispered 
Well, yeah, I don't know. The other inconsistency is when Rogue steals somebody's powers, usually they're completely unconscious for a time, not just a minute. Well, it depends on how long she absorbs them, right? True. And maybe they were standing here for like a half an hour being like, well, what should we do next? She was waiting for Logan and Havoc to get up. Oh, that could be. Maybe they were passed out for a long time. She's like, I'm not carrying them. <laughs> So they they haul out after a red car that has Dazzler, Magneto, and Storm inside. Apparently they've been cruising the area for hours looking for them. It's very handy that they their paths cross this way. I feel like Madripoor would be a very large city, and this would be a very difficult thing to achieve. Rogue says, we must hurry. Comrade Logan has arranged us transport out of here. Storm thinks to herself, Comrade? Well, where to, Logan? Harbor, step on it. So they head out to a boat, and even though they're in plain clothes, they decide to change into their X-Men costumes except for Havoc. <laughs> he lost his outfit. <laughs> Which is weird. Like, why wouldn't they just stay in their street clothes? I, I guess they think they're safe. I guess. I I don't, maybe they don't feel comfortable. I don't, that's weird. <laughs> So anyways, they got four days passage on this thing before they get back to the States, and then they'll have to figure out how to get their airplane back. Dazzler's things, won't you let me take you on a sea cruise? Ooh-wee, ooh-wee, baby, ooh-wee. <laughs> you really came through for us back there, Rogue. Thanks, says Havoc. He doesn't get Out much- of the fire yet. What? He doesn't get much dialogue throughout this comic either, really. Well, that wasn't... Um... Was it? Am I thinking of the Fantastic Four one where they're all like critical of him? Yes, they're not critical they, of him. They here. haven't been critical in this one? I okay. don't think so, no. All right. Magneto is below decks and he's thinking all about the circuitry in his helmet, which was originally designed for conquest. But now I'm certain it could be used to wipe the curse of all prejudice, particularly that of mutants from the psyche of the human race. So he's back at it again. That sounds like a pretty old school Magneto plan. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's like an altruistic plan, but still seems pretty evil. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to wipe away prejudice against everybody's will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he's like, that's going to uh, require careful preparation. And this one, Storm comes in and says, Magneto, we should probably talk. Yes, uh, uh, yes, uh, er, uh, y- yeah, Storm, we must, uh, I appreciate all that you X-Men have done for me, but merely being in my presence places you in jeopardy, I cannot allow that any longer, I, 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 I'm gonna go. <laughs> uh, yep, and Storm questions his reasoning, um, but that's when they get interrupted by Russians who say, Ahoy, the freighter, we have a reason to suspect that you are transporting an enemy of the people in order to drop anchor at once. This is when Magneto flips out. He's like, you see, I'm the one that they want and must not let them find me. Not now. The Russians immediately recognize the X-Men on the plane because they're wearing their costumes and they're on the top deck. Fools. It's a giant freighter, too. So it's like they could have. Well, first of all, Vanguard knows that they're on a freighter. So he probably looked at some manifestors like, okay, these are the three freighters that left within the hour. Um, They would have delayed the search by so much if the X-Men would have stayed in their plain clothes and been below mm-hmm. decks. <laughs> yeah, but no, they're wearing their brightly colored outfits and they're on top. It's just ridiculous. Yep. There they are on the deck. All right. <laughs> so they land and they're like, you will produce Magneto or we will arrest you. You have no right to board this ship, says Storm coming up from below. Answer us. Do you have Magneto on board, says Vanguard. Wolverine points out. He's like, where do you get off boarding a Dutch ship? You're breaking the laws of the sea, said somebody who has no idea what the laws of the sea are. 
<laughs> I don't know that that's a thing. Yeah, but uh, apparently Red Commando doesn't know either because he turns around and says, here is the law. And he's a cow's wolverine off the side of the ship with, with a, a force blast, I guess. Oh, and Havoc, uh, at this point, has changed from his plain clothes into his Havoc costume. And he blasts, and he's like, big mistake, Tin Man. You're not fighting just one X-Man. Oh, that's got to be Mark Silvestri's fault. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody can keep this straight. And Mark Sylvester does like drawing Havoc as in like this kind of white version of Havoc where he's using his power and his black suit turns white. I just feel like his power is so bright that it, I don't know. I just feel like Mark Sylvester is lazy. I don't think his costume turns white, but even though it, it looks like it totally does. Because especially in the next panel, he's not actually using his powers and he's still white. Next few panels, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I guess the, you're uh, right. I feel like somebody just forgot to color him. <laughs> Seriously, because this is not a this is not a thing that 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 happens. I feel like it happened once before. All right, but I don't remember where. Well, Dark Star wraps up Havoc. Dazzler shoots Dark Star. Uh, Rogue goes in for Vanguard, but Vanguard's like, "Oh no, not this time!" And he punches her, but he goes flying backwards because he didn't anticipate the recoil of her flying towards him and and how strong she was. And she goes flying up in the air. Wolverine did. How did did Wolverine fall off? Oh, Wolverine got zakowed, as you said, off the boat, and now he's clawing his way back onto the boat, putting puncturing holes into. The- the side of the boat yeah it's, it's above the water level it'll be fine it's not like this boat's gonna sink or anything dun, dun, dun. <laughs> captain of the boat says send out a distress call and that's when crimson dynamo and green guy titanium man yeah I'm how come i can I... remember titanium man and you can remember crimson dynamo but i can't remember crimson dynamo and you can't remember titanium man i don't know that's... together we remember exactly that's, that's why we work well together <laughs> Uh, so they're they're gonna scour this boat for Magneto, but Wolverine jumps in on top of Green Guy, Titanium Man. Man. Yeah, okay. Not if I have something to say about it. And little the little guy inside of Titanium Man jumps out and says, "Maniac, you crippled my arm here. You could have killed me." Yeah, well, Wolverine's like, "What?" <laughs> on the previous panel, Wolverine stabs Titanium Man in the neck. Yeah, with his claws. You don't know. Yeah, you don't. And it's a good thing that there's just a midget inside who jumps out with a little pistol and starts shooting at Wolverine. I believe the, the proper term is a little person. Uh, no, I'm I'm pretty sure they like to be called midgets. <laughs> okay. I, I looked it up. Right? No. Who are you asking right to? I don't know. <laughs> are, aren't you the international midget spokesperson? I just said little people. Oh. I don't know, Adam. If I meet a, a little person one day and he's like, it really bugs me when you tall people call us midgets, I'd stop. But I think that if I was a little person, I think I'd really like it if people called me midget. But I'm not a little person, so <laughs> I can't know that I would like to be called midget. So if anybody sort, takes, of, sort of hard to really tell. Well, it is, right? So, so if anybody takes offense to it, I apologize. But I really find the word midget funny. <laughs> of course you do. So there you go. Way to make it uncomfortable, Adam, calling me out I'm, like that. I'm so uncomfortable right now. <laughs> Anyways, Titanium, no, uh, Crimson Dynamo is like, he's wrecking the boat. He's like, this boat ain't going nowhere until we get Magneto. So he blows up the engines. He blasts a hole in the side of the boat. Thrack a boo boo boom through boo boom. And uh, he says something in Russian, which probably is something like, uh, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> 
My bad. The boat's Sorry. going. The boat's going down, and the Avengers must have overheard the uh, distress call because they show up in the Quinjet, and Captain Marvel's flying. Thor's flying, and uh, I don't know. They're inspecting the boat. Uh, Captain Marvel goes down below to see if there's anything she can do to patch up the hole in the boat. Uh, probably the best part of the issue occurs in these three panels where Wolverine cuts a little hole into the wall, sees Captain America, who's like, Wolverine, this is no time for fighting, mister. Lives are at jeopardy. And Wolverine says, tell me about it. Flaming ship's sinking. <laughs> I like that little back and forth. It's like, I ain't going to fight you. This boat's sinking. <laughs> well, you know, Captain America's like, ugh, here we go. Mm-hmm. Another Marvel hero fights another Marvel hero. I hate my life. <laughs> <laughs> but Roger Stern's like, no. We already did that. We're going to cooperate. Vanguard uh, sees Thor in the basement of the ship and throws his little hammer at him. And and Thor throws his bigger hammer at him and destroys Vanguard's hammer. My my hammer, what have you done? The vessel was sinking. Uh, The the vessel was sinking. I don't have a Thor. The vessel was sinking before before the Avengers arrived. Well, that's because Vanguard is blaming uh, the Avengers for the sinking of the ship because he doesn't know that the Crimson Dynamo blew out the back of the boat. Nobody knows <laughs> Nobody what the Crimson knows. Dynamo did. And that's when Vanguard's like, you do not think that we? Thor says, would the X-Men cripple their means of escape? You tell me, mortal. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> And I like this page where uh, She-Hulk is rescuing uh, people, t- bringing them up to Havoc, who's bringing them above the water. And they're they're trying to save Ursa Major, I think his name is, yep. the bear guy. Yep. And they pick him up and they're trying to get him through a hatch, but he's too big for the hatch. And he's like, he says, uh, that is not necessary. Allow but a moment. I shall resume human form. And he turns into a little naked man. And Havoc's like, why didn't you do that before? And he says, I am vulnerable this way and she hulk says no kidding as she stares at his junk yes <laughs> yes that's a good exchange as well and when i got to that page initially i was like oh this is going to be a boring page because it's really just she hulk and havoc but yes going through all that dialogue it's a very entertaining page uh dr druid is not done adam you were wrong because he's on the next page nope. yes he is doing his panic uh duty yes. and getting people to not panic as much. The the boat is on its side. It's going down. It's, there's no salvation for it. The rescue boats are filled with people. The Avengers are doing everything that they can to save people. Uh, Dr. Druid's calming them. Um, Black Knight raising out a hand for Captain Marvel to ask what the situation down below is. And she's like, look at the boat, you idiot. It's sinking. <laughs> she did her best to seal up the holes, but unfortunately she was not able to. Dark Star creates a makeshift raft for the rest of the survivors, which um, I guess they ran out of actual rafts, which is nice. Um, yep. And they... Tur- uh, turns out Magneto fled. According to Storm, uh, she left... Uh, Magneto uh, left immediately as soon as the Russians showed up. Everyone's missing but Magneto and the Crimson Dynamo. Um, and he shows up. Comrades, thank the stars you are safe. When the engines exploded on me, I fear you might. And Darkstar grabs him and says, we have questions for you, Dimitri Brucarden. And I guess he admits that he is the one who blew a hole in the thing. And the super soldiers, Soviet super sailors, su- super soldiers are upset. Yes. <laughs> uh, we joined with you to capture the one who had slain Soviet sailors, Dynamo. 
Not to endanger more semen, how many would have died today had it not been for the Avengers and the X-Men? We're really mad at you. Captain Marvel's really mad at Dynamo. Everyone's mad at Dynamo. He's kind of a jerk. And that's when the Soviet super soldiers are like, just give us Dynamo. Uh, We'll take him over to the maritime authorities. uh, And you guys, we're out. You guys deal with Magneto. And we're sorry. Yeah, we we thought you were worse than you were. And Dynamo's kind of been playing us as fools. Meanwhile, he doesn't like mutants. He admitted earlier. Meanwhile, from a cruise liner, you got Magneto, who's uh, got Benatar. Well, you've got a guy. It's Magneto. He's <laughs> <laughs> he's looking at the crashed boat. The captain walks over to him and says, Yes, sir. The way it happened, something about her engines blew up. Talking about the freighter that's sinking. And, like, nobody cares. Everyone's very like, well, we'll be heading over to Singapore soon. Well, Magneto cares. He says, were there many casualties? And the captain says, that's the luck, sir, not a one. Evidently, the famous Avengers were in the area, saved everyone on board. <laughs> so, you know, they don't have to be, they don't have to be too worried. No lives were lost. I guess, just, but he's just, just a lot of, just a big old ship. There's a very, there's a, there seems to be a strong lack of concern from this this boat here the the captain here with his mustache he's just smiling like everybody's fine don't worry about it there's nothing to be done Uh, well i mean call a helicopter or i don't know well there i believe uh yeah a ship does show up to pick up all the 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 uh adrift passengers of the boat so they're already being rescued yeah right just if i was on like a like a uh, one of those cruise liners uh, like a festival cruise and we were boating by and i saw a sinking boat smoldering the distance look this captain just got off the radio with his (laughs) supervisor he's like can i help is there anything i can do and the other guy was like no no we got this and so he's like all right okay I, I guess I won't freak out about it then. All right. Back to the conga line, everybody. Conga, conga, <laughs> conga. All right, so it's Magneto. He he comes out of the shadows and he's like, yes, I have unfinished business in Madripoor. And that's the end of issue three. And that brings us to issue four, which is titled Day of Judgment. Um, Yes, and the art is different. It's not bad, but it's different because it's not Mark Silvestri. Uh, it's Pollard. Keith Pollard. Keith Pollard and Joseph Rubenstein. Yeah. Doing well, the-, the cover, the cover, yeah, the cover is Pollard and Rubenstein. And I guess, I guess all the interior is as well. The cover is, eh, I guess it's maybe supposed to harken back to evil Magneto. He's standing there in front of a courtroom. He's got his helmet. He's got his hair is doing some weird horn thing, which kind of looks like eyebrows, but it's not. I don't know what's <laughs> going on there because it looks like there's beyond, like it could be a hair part, but beyond the hair part, it looks like there's more forehead. In the back of Avengers, Epic Avengers, Volume 17, there is a uh, X-Men versus Avengers premiere uh, cover where they they re they re-ink and color this image and it looks way better. Oh, I bet. Because this is not great. And it's it's by the same people according to this. Sure. So uh, this is probably just a rushed color or cover rather. And probably- color, I think the colorist is different on this new one. But like his the uh, the smoke coming off of his helmet is like massive electricity, which looks really cool. Uh, the lighting makes sense. Hmm. Well, it's just it overall better. Yeah, it's not a good cover. On one side, you got the Avengers, and in the middle, you got Magneto, and the other side, you have the X Men. Underneath, you have Judges. So this is uh, Tom DeFalco is the writer and co-plotter. So we've even changed writers, which is weird. Roger Stern was busy. Maybe his wife was having a baby. 
I don't know. It's, it's like the. I feel like they got themselves in trouble in this issue because there's all sorts of credits in this one. Uh, Keith Pollard is breaking down the pencils. Joseph Rubenstein's finishing, so essentially inking. Uh, Joe Joe Rosen's the letterer, so that hasn't changed. Max Scheel, not Christy Scheel, is the colorist. Oh. Yeah. Mark Gruenwald and Nascenti is the editors. Jim Shooter's the editor-in-chief. But you also have additional inking by Bob McLeod, Al Williamson, and Alan Milgram. So not only that, but Jim Shooter gets a co-plotter credit. Oh yeah, you're right. So it's a so so I wonder if we got to this point and everyone is like we quit. But it's it's not like this is a bad story or anything. But I think they had. I wonder if there was like creative differences. I don't know because it certainly seems like there's creative differences just in the way this issue starts. Maybe this issue, uh, Roger Stern went to DC. Because as I read the last issue, uh, what happened, right? The boat sinks. The Soviet super soldiers are heading back to to Russia, presumably, with uh, Crimson Dynamo to put him on trial for crimes against humanity. The Avengers and the X-Men, neither uh, – I mean, they're, they're buds, right? They both helped twice now save people. Um, neither of them knows where Magneto is, so you'd almost assume that they would – each go their own way and maybe continue the hunt for Magneto. Like the Avengers would be looking for him to put him on trial and the X-Men would be looking for him just to figure out what the hell is going on. But that's not really how this starts. Yeah, some things changed. Um, The X-Men, mainly the X-Men are uh, captured. Um, They have determined that because they are associates associates with Magneto, that they're going to hold them uh, in protective custody for a little bit right and we get the first two and a half pages are kind of kicking that story off so i don't know it it just feels it this issue's fine don't get me wrong and the whole story is fine it's just this seems to be a departure from where we were going is all yeah but anyways yeah so the x-men are in holding the avengers are like you can't hold the x-men if you're holding them it's only because they're letting you yeah which which is probably true and the Avengers are like, well, let us help you find Magneto. And there's this guy. He kind of looks like Robbie Robertson, but he's not. <laughs> no, he's um, Mr. Ronalds. I don't. I don't. He's. I don't know if he's like an Avengers character or if he's. This is his first appearance. Yeah, I mean, somebody should 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 put a memo out saying that if you're good. I don't know. <laughs> he looks like Robbie Robertson, down to the white stripe in his hair and everything. Well, you know, sometimes people look alike. I guess. Maybe originally it was supposed to be Robbie. The artist wanted it to be Robbie Robertson. And Jim Shooter was like, no way. (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. He's in New York and this is in Singapore. And and (laughs) Robbie's a good guy. Not this guy. He's not good. According to the Internet, this is the first and last appearance of Mr. Ronalds. (laughs) Weird. Well, Magneto is... In the middle of Singapore, and it seemed like he had a plan. He had unfinished business at the last issue, but in this issue, he is he's alone. He's hunted. Is in a foreign land. He has no friends. He has no funds. Well, he he still has. I mean, he didn't have unfinished business with Singapore. He just has unfinished business in general. Oh, I thought he had unfinished business in Singapore. He was only going back to Singapore because that's what was convenient. He got on a boat and was like, oh, this one's heading back to Singapore slash Madripoor. And I will I will just go there because I have unfinished business, which has nothing to do with Madripoor. All right. It's just, uh, you know. Fair. If you, you somebody someday might actually read into that, but uh, 
you know, I may be on some podcast somewhere. And then the <laughs> captain was like, what's a podcast? And it's, a, it's like a radio Mag- show. But... Magneto was like, I, I've said too much. <laughs> I've said too much. I'm from the future. <clears throat> he's uh, being, t- well, I shouldn't say he's being tailed. The, I don't know, the Madriporian government has got plants all over the place trying to find Magneto. Uh, one of the guys has found him, but a tourist ruins everything when he comes up to him and says, Hey, I know you. You're that freak who was on the news, the mutie. And uh, so that's when they bum rush him. That stupid tourist has ruined everything. Take him now. Although, I don't know, he didn't really ruin much of anything. Assassin springing around me. Every idiom, says the tourist. Somebody stop that lousy mutie before he kills us all. Everybody in this square is like uh, on the case, too, because everybody pulls out a gun and starts shooting at Magneto. So if they have this much coverage in this um, uh, square, like how much coverage do they have across the entire country? <laughs> Crime is running rampant right now. No, that's like everybody's called in for the Magneto hunt. So yeah, <laughs> it's like a third of the country is out. It's like packing heat looking for Magneto. And this is actually pretty cool. They're all shooting at him and he's, he's just collecting the bullets into a little bullet ball. Right. That he, he then throws back at him. This is, uh, this is, does he do this in the movies? I feel like this is a very movie-esque sort oh, of thing. Oh, he doesn't, he does it in the first X-Men movie, sort of, right? All the police are there. Somebody fires a shot, remember? And he stops the bullet. I guess he only stops one bullet. But then he takes all the guns and turns them around on all of the police officers. Yeah. Oh, and then I think, yeah. doesn't he have all of the guns fire? And the bullets are just like pushing into like their foreheads as he's like threatening them all. And then no. he says, uh, yeah, I think that happens. I don't, I don't remember. Oh, and then he says like, beware, like we're mutants. We're, we're here. We're queer. We're not going anywhere. And then he leaves. <laughs> I re- and then, I do, like all the, I metal definitely falls. remember the I, I, "we're here, we're queer" speech. <laughs> yeah, uh, I do remember him turning the guns on everybody. I don't remember the guns firing. Maybe, but it might have just it, been one gun that fired. But there's there's no bullet ball in any of the X Men movies. I don't think so. Not even in X Three, and that's where they would have done it. Oh man, that, this is a cool thing. I like the bullet ball. Yeah. I would like to see a bullet ball in a movie. Well, there's a first class movie coming up. Maybe maybe they worked it into that. That'll never come out. <laughs> sure doesn't seem like it will. Everything by Fox after Deadpool 2 is dead. Pool. It sure seems like it. So he throws the bullet ball at them, knocking a guy over. He doesn't want to hurt anybody, but... Uh, a couple of A couple of weird people, weird looking people are like, Hey, Magneto, this way, hurry. Magneto's like, I don't know you, but I know that there's an angry mob coming towards me, so I don't know what I should do. We're mutants. Come with us. I'll distract your pursuers. And they they are mutants. And uh, this guy, whose who's name is Slider, he makes the ground become as slippery as glass, and everybody falls over. And Magneto runs off with Lico and crawler yeah not to be confused with night crawler this yeah. is just regular crawler he crawls in the day they tried calling him day crawler and he's like why do we gotta why do we have to differentiate i just want to be crawler crawl during the day or the night this guy crawls yeah. he's a regular crawler so they take him to a galleria and this dude named light who introduces himself as a mutant with the ability to with the annoying ability to know when anyone speaks the truth an ability which has helped me earn a small fortune but i have one question for you who are you magneto thinks to himself like oh is this a trap what am i going to do all right well i'm power he says men call me <laughs> 
Magneto, the mutant master of magnetism. And he's like, rejoice, my people. He's telling the truth. It's really Magneto. And that's when all of these people are like, hail to the glorious ones. Turns out that all these people are mutants who are ready to be Magneto's servants because they would like to bring about the overturning of humankind in favor of mutant kind. You are the uncrowned king of mutants everywhere, and we are your humble servants. It's kind of a neat concept. Totally. I, I don't think if you were to look at the original plot papers by Roger Stern, that this is where the story was going to go. But I think it's a neat, I think it's neat. The, uh, these mutants get very quickly raided by the government again, who are back. Um, and they start uh, shooting up the place. Well, Magneto- don't give them a chance to use their weird powers against <laughs> us, says somebody. This is, this is after Magneto is trying to tell light, like, Hey, I don't believe that a war is necessary. I think we need, to live peacefully together. And Light's like, huh, that's like teaching a gorilla how to fly. It only wastes your time and annoys the gorilla. And that's when the government comes in and just starts shooting and killing people. Like, people are dying. Somebody, You see somebody get shot in the head? Yeah. Magneto uses a wave of magnetic force to stun everybody in the room. And, and pull um, all the guns away. He, he leaves with, I don't know, some some guys. Who, I don't know if they have names or not, but they're, they're mutants. And he, they all, they, all the mutants kind of get away. He says, uh, I currently possess the power to free my people from the threat of humanity. Dare I use it? And now the X-Men, I think specifically Wolverine's like, I'm getting real tired of staring at these iron walls. Oh, I guess it's Rogit says that. But she says it like Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> because she had just touched him a moment ago, and now she sounds exactly like him. Yeah, they were making out because, you know, boarding. <laughs> Storm's like, all right, we've waited long enough. Uh, we played by the rules. I don't want to rot, so do it, Wolverine. And he cuts a circle in the 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 roof of the containment unit they are in, and Dazzler says, "Hi, Chuckles," to the man with the gun uh, pointed at the right top, at her head. Pointed right at her head, and she says, "It's time to party!" And she does a little light blast, and Rogue bursts out the back of the thing and says, "Not bad, Dazzler's light blast managed to focus all the attention topside. Well, I take the rear exit." And she picks up the the vehicle and flies away. And someone says, they escaped so easily. They could have done it whenever they wished. Oh. Man, we suck. <laughs> Thor was right. Back at the, well, I guess they're not at the Avengers mansion, but the Avengers are assembled around a table trying to figure out what to do. Um... She-Hulk is like, wow, this is a real witch hunt. Captain America's like, but he's a mass murderer. We have to bring him to trial. Captain Marvel's like, but only if it's a fair trial. And Mr. Ronald busts in and says, I changed my mind. I want you guys to help me because the X-Men just escaped and we can't catch Magneto. So get in there, Avengers. Sorry. <laughs> I never. Sorry for sorry for detaining you. <laughs> Slow down, Ronalds. You have no authority over us. We may be sanctioned by the U.S. government, but it don't work. But we don't work for it. Can't believe my ears. Your country and the world is counting on you. I never thought I'd live to see the day when the Avengers would fail to do their duty. And uh, Captain America says, <laughs> "Duty." <laughs> you stole the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> So Magneto and some of the mutants that survived get on yet another boat that Light bought from the government with the idea that it would be transformed into a floating museum and shopping mall, which seems to be an unnecessary detail, but nevertheless. He had some plans. 
totally. I think is is the light dead now? He might have gotten killed. He may be dead. I don't know. But oh no, I don't. I, I don't think he is dead. I think he comes back a little bit later. Okay. Uh, he Magneto is with Liko. I don't know what her power is yet. She's either he, really young or a midget. <laughs> She's very short. Now, Jeremy. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, a dwarf. <laughs> Short, short. Remember, remember what was the what was the dwarf golfer guy? Was it dwarf? What? I don't. Do know. you remember? Do you remember the golf guy? Nope. Oh, okay. There's only one golf guy I know, and that's Happy Gilmore. Oh, well, that's not a real golf guy. Oh, all right. Well, um, I didn't know that there was a little person golfer. There is. Um, was he good? Honest, well, I think it was a comedy thing. Oh, okay. Well, I bet you he was a midget golfer then. <laughs> See, I was trying to be respectful, but when you told me he was doing it for fun, I bet you he played up to it. Yeah, and I think all of the jokes were based on his height. Sure. Magneto is working on his helmet. And uh, he, he, Liko is like, what are you doing with that helmet? And he's like, oh, I'm constructing a weapon, Liko, perhaps the ultimate weapon. From this world, the world, or from this moment on, the world will never be the same again. Meanwhile, the X-Men are uh, looking for Magneto. Wolverine picks up his scent, but they're cut off by the Avengers. And it we seemed- were hoping you could lead us to Magneto so we can bring him to justice. And it looks like the X-Men and the Avengers are just about to start fighting when we see some eyes appear above them in Magneto's trademark helmet. Uh, And we hear silence. There is no need for you to fight in a telepathic word balloon, which at this point, I'm like, oh, my God. They're going to explain Magneto's te- or Magneto's telepathy. This is awesome. Spoilers, they don't. <laughs> so Magneto is using some sort of uh, telepathic control over everybody and nobody can move. And then he, mm, he grabs the X-Men and Captain America and whisks them away on the waves of pure magnetic force, which they make it look like they disappear and reappear where he is. <laughs> it, they very much do. Um, which is, which is, I mean, you know, I guess it's a power we've not seen from Magneto before, but you can't just do that. Yeah, it, it, it's the the dialogue box says and soon, so you could maybe maybe assume that he magnetically floated them towards him, but the way the little bubbles are drawn around the X Men, it's looking like the X Men and Captain America just materialized in front of uh, Magneto. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, so I I just wish they had shown him being, uh, you know, it's bad enough that he mentally froze everybody, but you know, we could at least see him pulling them towards him right. rather than making them like teleporting them. And honestly, I'm okay with him mentally freezing everything because you're like, okay, well, X Men number, you know, the first ten or fifteen or twenty X Men, like Magneto had. Mental powers that they've never really explained why he had not, them or where they went. Not, not to mention the issues where it, of Avengers where he takes over the iron in people's bloods and, you know, actually controls them. Right. There was that, too. Yep. That's uh, never been touched again. <laughs> Captain America says, you never had mental powers like this before. You must have found something on that asteroid base of yours which crashed in kombucha. Kombucha. Mmm. I like kombucha. <laughs> You are quite perceptive, Captain. I did recover certain circuitry. Circuitry would, combined with my own magnetic powers, allows me to completely dominate any and every living mind I choose. So, 
Maybe that is a loose explanation for what happened before. No, because the very <laughs> next dialogue ruins it. And it could have been fixed so easily. He says, I never used this circuitry before because professional Charles Xavier, the former leader of the X-Men, was a telepath, uh, was a telepath powerful enough to block its effects. But uh, alas, uh, Professor Xavier is no longer on this planet. So it would have been so much cooler if he'd have been like, um, um, I never used this circuitry to its fullest extent because of Professor Xavier's mental powers could block it. That's all you would have had to do. And then you'd be like, oh, okay. He had circuitry in his helmet that allowed him to do all of the mental powers that he did in early X-Men. I'm still okay with it. I mean, you know. No, I'm not okay with it because he says right here, I never used this circuitry. (laughs) You know, that that, uh, that I want to admit to. <laughs> right. He could even say that. Or in a thought it, balloon, it, it, it could have been the, there, sub, like... the subtext is I used it a couple times when the professor would let me. But he doesn't want to admit to that. No. I would have... Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. A thought bubble would have been... Except when he let me those four times. I don't know. So the light, the light is actually here. And he says, this is fantastic. You can now use this power to completely enslave mankind. No, he says, but I can use it to remove prejudice, particularly that of mutants from the collective mind of the human race. Children like Liko could grow up. Uh, okay, so she's not a midget. She's a child. Could grow up in a world free of blind, unreasoning hatred. Hey, that sounds great, says random guy. Uh <laughs> Slider? <laughs> crawler or slider? No, crawler is the uh, Indian-looking fellow with the, ah, with the turban. turban. Yeah. Havoc's like, well, does it? Is it right to tamper with somebody's mind? Wolverine says, no way, no says Wolverine. Way. <laughs> I think the lives, think of the lives you'd save, says Light, the wars that would be prevented. And Magneto says, Captain America, you are an honorable man, perhaps the most honorable man on the planet, which I don't know why that would be. But you know, he's a good guy. He's a good guy, but I, I brought you here because I am unresolved. I do not know what to do. What is your opinion? A man should be free to make up his own mind, have his own thoughts, even if that man is a bigot. Destroy the helmet before it's too late. No man was meant to wield such absolute power. Light says, and no, you must go. use it for the good of your people. Havoc says, listen to Cap, he's right. And this is when Magneto says, enough, I've made my decision. I will use the helmet on you, Captain. And he blasts Captain America in the head. And he says, tell me your opinion now that I have totally eradicated any anti-mutant feelings you might have had. And Captain America says, it hasn't changed. I still believe everything I said for the same reasons. <laughs> I, couldn't just say, I couldn't just say that. <laughs> but for some reason, Magneto's like, oh, my God, no, it's not possible. I thought all humans hated mutants, but you never had anti-mutant feelings. You have shamed me, Cap. I realize I, I like, must destroy this. Doesn't he have anti-mutant feelings in, like, Secret Wars 1 or something? There is, like, oh, you, you hang with your muty kind or something yeah. like that. There's There was a little bit, but. Maybe he's he's lost that though, because he, he he did have a handshake with Wolverine at some point. Yeah, but do you remember who wrote Secret Wars one? Uh, wasn't it Jim Shooter? It was Jim Shooter or Him Shooter? Him Shooter at the time he was going by that then. Diff, totally different guy. Yeah, right. And so Magneto says, perhaps I can begin that trust now by surrendering myself to you. So he goes on trial. Psylocke and Longshot are at home, and, and Longshot's like, why couldn't we be in Paris? I don't understand this. I'm from a different planet and don't understand things. 
Psylocke's like, you're from a different planet and don't understand things. Things are complicated. Magneto used to be one of the bad guys. Yeah. She doesn't say, I'm, I'm Psylocke, Betsy Braddock, telepath for the team. <laughs> She also doesn't remind us about how he sunk a uh, submarine once. Nope. And she also doesn't think about her bionic eyes. So I don't know how a reader could possibly understand the character that is Betsy Braddock from reading this <laughs> issue. Uh, so Magneto is being defended by Gabrielle Holler. Yes. Mother to Legion, right? Yes. Yeah. And he is also being prosecuted by Jaspers, Sir Jaspers, who was the crazy guy in the alternate world that was from Captain Britain. Oh, wow. But not in this world. In this world, he's just a jerk. Yes. These are, these are the same, uh, the same team that were originally doing the trial before. Oh, okay. So from issue 200, Gabrielle says, um, we move that he can't be tried because his allegiance is to his people and not a country. Uh, he is the uniformed armed force of mutant kind and he claims for himself the same status any such force would have under any other state or its equivalent since the people his people have not signed the geneva convention he does not feel bound by them so kind of trying to get off on the ultimate technicality which you know may be true but he still needs to be tried Me. you can't just be like Ah, okay. All right, we're done. <laughs> yeah, it's not moving on. I guess we shouldn't really try him for killing all those people. Right. <laughs> I mean, we shouldn't try him in the same way, perhaps. So, sir, or no, uh, what, what's this dude's name? Uh, Counselor de Moitier or something like that. Yeah. Anyways, he, he says, nope. Motion denied. So Jasper's your first witness. So they call a number of people, uh, put on a trial. Yes, he sank a boat. Yes, he rose a volcano. Uh, they eventually call Captain America to the stand under a little bit of protest, but I guess the world agrees that he is the most honorable man and a great judge of character. Many people have already testified about Magneto's past Magneto's past villainy, but he claims that he's reformed, that he's learned the error of his past ways. In your opinion, Captain, is he telling the truth? And Captain America says... I'm not really, you know, why is this all on me? I don't feel like I I deserve all this uh, stuff. <laughs> but ultimately, he says, I do not believe that Magneto has really learned the error of his ways. Enough, though, he uh, himself may, th even though he himself may think he does, or has, rather. Magneto thinks to himself, this trial is a farce. Gabrielle's doing her best, but I don't have a chance. I never did. The Chief Justice has been prejudiced against me from the start. Why? What does he hope to gain? And he starts imagining that um, the, the, he's going to be made guilty so that a war will start between mu hu humans and mutants. Doesn't he realize that mutants across the planet will rise up in bloody revolt if I'm condemned to death? Thinks a lot of himself here. It's, yeah, he does. But it's also probably true. How can I honor that vow knowing that so many innocents will die because of it? I mean, he did just learn about how he is the king of all mutants. Right. That's true. So he beckons uh, Captain Marvel, uh, but this time he doesn't like use magnetic powers to bring her to him. Just enough magnetic powers to make her feel weird. Well, he left the helmet behind. Uh, okay. Good point. So she goes and checks it out and, and Magneto's like, I think something's going on. I think the... Middle justice guy is 
prejudice against me. This isn't a fair trial. I need you to go get the guy named Light. No, she, he needs uh, Liko, whose mutant power is to detect mutants. Oh, because he thinks Cause the, he wants to, yeah. he thinks that the, the counselor is a mutant. Chief de Motier. Motier. Chief de Justice. Chief Justice de Motier. He's secretly a mutant himself, a radical who means to martyr me. Does he turn out to be a mutant? He's a conspiracy theorist. Okay. Wait, the <laughs> mature or Magneto? No, Magneto is oh, right okay. now. Yes. And Captain Marvel's even like, uh, you're talking kind of weird, but I guess I'll go check it out. So she flies to the boat, the one that was supposed to be turned into a museum in a mall, and she finds that all the mutants aboard have been slaughtered except for Crawler. You were the ones who took Magneto from us. He could have prevented this. Crazies did this. Magneto's trial brought them out of hiding, made them think it's safe to hunt to kill us. But we'll strike back. I gathered up Magneto's old helmet and his discarded circuitry as a symbol of our strength, our fury. Oh, Liko's by the dead, by the way. <laughs> oh, uh, and also, as Captain Marvel's flying, Magneto is men's magnetically mentally following her somehow. Because why not? <laughs> Unaware that Magneto's consciousness rides magnetically aside alongside um Sure. And so Magneto essentially sees all of this occurring. Uh, Captain Marvel flies back to check out Demeteur. And invisibly, she watches as he basically outs himself as a uh, bigot uh, to Lady Sutherland, who is another of the justices. Um, who condemning knows? Magneto to death could very well ignite a war between mutants and men. Of course, from mankind's point of view, now is the time for such a war when it could win. Who knows how powerful mutants could grow in the future to mankind? Uh, Captain Marvel leaves bef uh, right before the other justice can say, Ahem. I would prefer to drink to justice. Your words smack of racism. And then she smacks him. Yeah. And so Magneto is like, ah, darn it. He's a human. I knew he Come wanted on. a war. I just misinterpreted his reasons. Please leave me to myself. I need to meditate. Yeah. So Captain Marvel takes off. Uh, Magneto does me uh, meditate and is able to concentrate all of his power to get his helmet from the boat. It's kind of a funny panel. His His eyes are hovering above his helmet and then his... The helmet raises up to meet his eyes, and it's funny looking. Behold, says Crawler, the hour of our vengeance is at hand. The next morning, uh, the Avengers are there wearing their Avengers costumes, which makes sense because they're the Avengers. But the X-Men are also there in their X-Men costumes, which doesn't really make sense because they fled from custody and they're outlaws. Like, Well, no, the, apparently the Avengers got them tickets. Um, <laughs> oh, that, that's what Betsy told uh, Longshot when they were on the couch. She was like, the Avengers managed to get them in for this trial, and uh, that's why we're not there, because Storm wasn't sure if she could get more tickets. Oh. So while they're waiting for everything to happen, a fuse three floors below malfunctions and the lights go out. <laughs> Magneto says... It will take a few minutes before repairs can be made. I would prefer to spend that time in solitude. The bailiffs, That's not suspicious. Right. The bailiffs are like, of course. So they walk him to the bathroom. Magneto uses his powers to smuggle his helmet in. Uh, meanwhile, the bailiffs outside are like, hey, the door's stuck. It won't open. We got to open up this door. So they start banging on it. Magneto well, not just that. He's had, he's had the, um, he's been flying the helmet 
all the way here and it finally arrives. Ah. It's gone from Singapore to wherever they are, London? I don't know. I think they're in Paris. They're in Paris. Yeah, yes, they're in France. You're right. So he wires up the circuitry, puts the helmet on, and he says, uh, um... I don't have any choice. I never did. And he zaps the Chief Justice Dumotier with his special um, anti-prejudice beam. Please forgive me, he says. Now I must obliterate this helmet and its circuitry so that I can never be tempted by it again. Which he does. The door opens. The bailiffs come in. And they're like, hey, what's going on in here? And Magnino's What happened like, to the window? And Magnino says, window? What? What window? Shouldn't we be heading back to the courtroom? Why, I oughta. Don't they, get no respect. So they get in there, and the middle Chief Justice De, De Mature offers a very, I guess, prejudice-free verdict, which is... Uh, which is basically agreeing to what the initial thing Gabriel Haller wanted, which was that Magneto is his own state and therefore cannot be tried by us. No jurisdiction over the accused, while Magneto may have violated the laws of certain individual states and nations and may still be liable for their justice, this court has no right to judge him. He is free to go. And everybody in the courtroom is surprised and somewhat excited, even the Avengers, like uh, She-Hulk's smiling. Yeah. Congratulations. You made it, says Dazzler. Gives him a gives him a kiss on the cheek and Magneto immediately gets paranoid and why aren't the other judges raising their voices in protest over Demetri's sudden change in heart? Or was I wrong about him? Is this the verdict he had planned for me always? How could I ever know the truth? <laughs> no! And he goes outside and, and there's protests. The trial was fixed. The maniac deserves death. Why didn't I anticipate that? Keep that freak off the streets. I was so concerned with the effects of my death, I would have, uh, my death would have over mutant kind. I never once considered how much freedom my, or how much my freedom would enrage mankind, would increase their hatred and fear of us. Will this set off a war that I feared and sound the death knell of all mutant kind? What have I done? What have I done? And that's the end. So last episode, I asked what kind of, um, like outcome this would have for the X-Men and the answer is pretty much none. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So overall, I liked this four-part story. Uh, But as I said at the beginning of this particular issue, like this, this issue just feels different than the first three issues. First three issues felt like just kind of a superhero versus romp uh, and, and with a neat twist of having a third team in there. Well, I feel like Roger Stern took more time to understand who who the X-Men were. And then the last issue, they're basically just redoing the trial of Magneto. Yeah, I guess. Well, I mean, half the issue is essentially the trial of Magneto. And there there really is no X-Men or Avengers versus X-Men in this issue. I mean, they meet up in an alleyway, but then Magneto breaks it all up. Not that we needed to see them fight again. I don't know. Just I don't know. I don't know if it's a if this if you would consider not a filler issue but like a substitute issue. Like there was one plan, but that creative team had to go do other things. So uh, Jim Shooter and Tom DeFalco stepped in. They're like, no, 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 we're gonna do this other thing. <laughs> we'll never know. Uh, the this this story seemed more less like an Avengers story and more like an X Men story, but really more like a Magneto story. That's true, because the first, at least the first couple of this series uh, felt like Avengers with the X-Men. 
Uh, sadly, I don't think there's really any background information in the trade paperback that I have about creative process. There's some script um, notes, but there might be in the epic, but I never, I didn't even look. There's a no, I don't think there. Well, no, no, no. There's a whole, there's a whole couple of pages of something from Marvel Age. I guess I should have read that. <laughs> oh, well. uh, oh, 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 oh. Shoot, if only we would have been a little bit more prepared. Uh, in here, it says, X-Men versus Avengers number four, unused plot by Roger Stern with notes by editor Mark Gruenwald. Roger's oh. original resolution to the miniseries did not coincide well with the plans the X-Men office had to make Magneto a more redemptive character. So the last issue is ultimately rewritten by Tom DeFalco. And unfortunately... When they reprint these um, script pages, plot pages or whatever you want to call them, it's four pages per single page of trade paperback. So, like, like my eyes aren't that bad, but I would need a magnifying glass to read this. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty tiny. I have that, too. <laughs> Although I, I don't have the cool summary that you have. Yeah. I just have the pages. Uh, and there's, like, handwritten notes. Uh, X-Men aren't very, I can't read that last word, supportive. All right, well, this would have been an interesting thing to read. Well, that's that's not why you listen to this podcast for its its uh, well-rehearsed uh, preparation. Go pick up a copy, if you really care, of either the Avengers Epic Collection Volume 17, Judgment Day, or whatever you're reading from. X-Men versus Avengers slash Fantastic Four trade paperback, which I mentioned also has reprints of the... First battles between the X-Men and the Fantastic Four and the Avengers. That's probably harder to find just because I'd imagine it's fairly old. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Dunno, man. Dunno. 2011, I think, is when this was first printed. Oh, so it's not that bad. Yeah, it's not that old. Uh, okay, well, there you go. Um, I don't have anything else to add to this thing. Uh, next. I kind of want to go read this. <laughs> <laughs> well... Like I said, I I would need a magnifying glass to read all that because it's uh, I don't know if if one of us gets super motivated, we'll lead our next episode with what was really supposed to happen in X Men Avengers Four. But don't hold your breath. Yeah, I'm probably going to read it, but I'm probably not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, this then. chapter is done. Yeah, yeah, put it to bed. Um, I think next week, what X Men. It- Annual 11? Uh, an annual for sure. I, I don't know which one it is. Probably 11. That sounds right. We're never going to get back to the uncanny X-Men. No, no. Two, two more episodes. We'll be back. All right. This this next episode is annual 11, and then we're back. All right. And those for those of you who are jonesing to hear your letters read on this very podcast, don't worry. We haven't forgotten to do that, and, and we didn't stop doing that. It's just got to get these versus things out of the way, and then we'll get right back to our regularly scheduled program. We're, we're queuing them up for a major letters section coming soon. So keep... We might have to do a whole episode of just letters. Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> Nobody would listen. I guess everybody who wrote a letter would listen. Yeah, you know. <laughs> everybody else would be like, oh, for God's sakes, get to the content, you guys. All right, well then, uh, yeah, if you would like to reach us in the meantime, you can do so. Uh, maybe you can give us, like, the Cliff's Notes summary of what was supposed to happen in X-Men Avengers number four, and then that way we don't have to do the research. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> that's even better. Uh, do so by visiting us at www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. 
uh, follow us at Danger Room Go. Email us, Danger Room, at xmenpodcast.com. You can go out to iTunes to subscribe to us. Go to the podcast section, search for Danger Room. We are the first one that will show up. You can also call us at 501-GET-X-MEN. That's 501-438-9636. And our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. So this is pretty cool. There's like a three pages of the crimes of Magneto listing everything that Magneto's ever done wrong. There's X-Men number one, number four, number five, six, seven, Journey into Mystery, number 109. It's, it's just three pages of a of list of of a, essentially Magneto appearances. It's kind of neat. Is that – it must be in the epic version uh, thing? It's it's part of the uh, the story treatment that – um, is that you were talking about that is four pages per oh. page. Oh, okay. So that's actually written in there. Those are part of the plot notes. Yeah. The crimes of Magneto. That's very cool. All right. Well, until next time, my name's Jeremy. My name's Magneto. I mean, Adam. And the danger room is closed. Yeah.